Hello everyone, I am Johnson Obamainti. And I am Tehi Obamainti. And we are the host of Oasis of Hope podcast. So welcome to episode 39. Yes. Wow. You know, this is a continuation of um, 38. Yes, we've been. Because we just scratched the head of the iceberg. We sure did. We did <laughs> not. It's like we had so much um, that we need to share. And so we will continue the conversation. We are focusing on our youth. Yes. How to help our youth to stand strong in a toxic cultural performance. Exactly. Especially even going through all of this uh, pandemic that we thought was just going to be for a couple of months, maybe a year, Mm -hmm. but now keep lingering. Mm -hmm. And then with our youth going through this, with all the peer pressure and all that they have to go through. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we have outstanding individual experts, subject matter experts that will be discussing, that will be helping our youth and their parents. Yes. Who will be listening today? So let's continue that conversation. Um, at, but for this one, this second um, part, we are also linking up with um, one of our board members, um, um, Mrs. Weather. So let's begin welcoming um, Dr. Ruth Goodwin, the founder and CEO of Safe Haven Counseling Center here in Texas, with Mr. Brian McLean, one of her licensed counselors in that practice. So welcome to Oasis of Hope podcast, and also welcome to Ms. Suzanne um, Weathers, who is a principal at one of our thriving charter schools here in the area. So welcome, everyone. Thank you. It's our pleasure to join you. Thank you so much. So we just, I mean, just like we did uh, during the last episode, so we're just going to give you, three of you, the opportunities to help, uh, you know, uh, dive into this discussion and help uh, the youth out there and also their parents. I know last time we were talking about youth, the statistics, and uh, we're talking about suicide, and then we're talking about hope. And then for everyone that has been listening to this, they know that hope is the salient point of our podcast because everything we do surrounds hope, hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the only source of my hope. Yes. So um, let's begin the conversation um, from Mrs. Weather. She's a principal, and she's seen firsthand in the past two years the trauma induced by the pandemic. And um, for a lot of young people, that could not just, you know, from anxiety, deep depression, we've seen a lot of that happening, and also we've seen um, suicide as well. And once she gives us that overview, then Dr. Ruth and Mr. McLean, we just want you to provide that biblical um, counseling guidance for everyone out there, whether they're parents, their teachers, or um, youth pastors, or anyone that cares about our youth. Yes, thank you so much, Dr. Faye and Johnson and uh, Dr. Ruth. Um, yes, so I am a uh, middle school principal, um, which are 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. So they 
are about 11 years old to 13, 14 years old. And um, we are seeing on our campus on a daily basis um, very much um, suicide and depression, so suicide ideation and depression. Um, we are also seeing a lot of outbursts and anger. And we saw from coming, bringing them back, from the pandemic, um, it was very difficult for them to transition back into a very structured setting, um, and especially because we as the educators weren't the voices that they had been hearing for two years. It was very different. It was a very different sound. And so when having to listen or having to sit for long periods of time, um, even though they missed their peers, there was aggression and frustration um, that we deal with that made the instructional environment tense at times, sometimes very um, difficult to even get the instruction through because of the social-emotional dysregulation that was happening with a lot of our scholars, especially um, our sixth graders, because the last time they were in school, they were in fourth grade, which was elementary school. Um, so we have social counselors on our campus, um, and they have full and packed um, caseloads, um, just keeping their doors open, but definitely having to deal with, you know, the um, the onslaught of students coming back and forth, just needing um, reassurance, um, lots of anxiety around taking tests and being in the instructional environment. It's just a lot more social-emotional well-being that we as educators have to deal with on top of making sure that we fill the uh, academic gap that was broadened by them not having structured instruction for almost two years. Wow. Dr. Ruth? So I guess we're so fortunate to have Brian, who is a retired principal yeah. as well, so being a retired educator and administrator. So uh, for both of you, Dr. Ruth and Brian, just uh, go ahead and uh, uh, speak to all that uh, Ms. Weather just shared with us and see how, you know, we can, uh, we can address no, that. I I have several of the counselors that works uh, part-time here and works in the school settings, and they're all saying exactly what uh, this precious lady has shared with us that she sees in her uh, school. The uh, anxiety's gone up. They're doing suicidal assessments almost daily. Uh, but they're also seeing parents who's not taking them seriously. Uh, and uh, uh, that uh, the not taking the counselor seriously, not taking their teachers seriously when they uh, tell them that their child needs help. And uh, so we definitely need those parents. If the teacher says, uh, you know, seek counseling for your child, they're exhibiting some uh, things that. Uh, uh, that indicate that they might be at risk. Well, take take seriously what those teachers are saying because uh, they're on the front lines with your kids and spend a lot more time with the kids than what most parents do. Yes, and 
um, Dr. Miss Withers, or I'm not sure if I'm saying your name right, Miss Withers, Withers. Um, my hats off to you as a middle school principal. I also was a middle school principal for several years, and um, wow. that was before the pandemic. So um, I commend you and thank you for all the hard work that you do because you're in the trenches. Yes. Um, I would say real quickly that, you know, the most expensive conversations are the unreal conversations or the ones that never happen. Because mm-hmm. really, when you think about it, what is talked about and how it is talked about determines what happens or what doesn't happen. And so conversations with our young people and our youth and our students and our kids and our families, that's essential to what we want to achieve. Conversations are the way through. I believe that significant change in conversations, significant change in contributions happen one conversation at a time. Mm -hmm. So think about it. We succeed or fail one conversation at a time. In fact, the greatest leverage we have is the conversation we're in right now. You think about it. So the conversation is the relationship. And um, finally, you know, um, my last point on that, uh, while no single conversation is guaranteed to change the trajectory of a career or a company or a relationship or a life, any single conversations, any single conversation can. So the conversation is the work, and I just applaud so much what this principal on here does for her students and her staff because, you know, as I said, she's in the trenches and knows the reality of getting through to those kids and talking them, talking them to them in a way that gets her invited back to the table. I think that's huge. You know, um, we have to talk in a way that gets us invited back. And I, I, I talk to clients all the time about be aware of the importance of gradually because no one goes bankrupt overnight. Most people don't get addicted overnight or lose their marriage overnight or succumb to gambling debt overnight. But our conversation, our, for the importance of gradually is worth mentioning. Our careers, our personal relationships, our schools, and our very lives succeed or fail gradually, then suddenly one conversation at a time. So I think you have to ask yourself, how close are you to suddenly? And you have to be really real and authentic with these kids and, you know, meet their needs, meet them where they are. But we need to have those honest, hard-to-have conversations. Wow, wow. This is very, very rich and very powerful um, time here. You're providing such um, guidance um, for parents, for teachers, um, for youth pastors, anyone that cares and works with youth. So we know that um, research tells us that trauma changes the brain. So with that, and all what uh, students are dealing with right now changes are occurring in their brain. I know Ms. Weathers talked about um, outburst of anger and you know behavior. How can teachers um, help uh, channel that into the way to help their brain rewire back again? Uh, well, anger is a an umbrella emotion. Uh, the underneath it there is always frustration, jealousy, fear, 
uh, hurt of some kind, some kind of pain. And if that conversations that Brian talked about, having those tough conversations and being down on the child's level to where they 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 believe that you understand the pain that they're feeling and the frustration they're feeling uh they're more likely to talk with you about what is driving uh their anger uh and also uh uh just sometimes sometimes it helps me when I'm counseling to just say. You know, sometimes when I'm angry, I just clutch my hands behind my back and say uh, scripture verse over and over, be angry and sin not, be angry and sin not, and give them just some real uh, practical things to do instead of their anger, That the deep breathing. We teach them how to box breathe, to breathe into the count of four hold it to the count of four, blow out to the count of four, and then rest to the count of four. That's a box breathe that relaxes the diaphragm and allows them to uh, a little bit of time to think about their reaction. Uh, and sometimes uh, with, a, with a lot of kids where they've had all kinds of activities and not been able to sit still, uh, you know, a, a stress ball, or teaching them how to uh, uh, how to 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 tap with their fingers or something instead of making noise. You know, they put put their thumb on each finger quietly. Uh, anything that will help de-escalate uh, that rage within them. But they have to have hope that this is a temporary thing, that this is something that will pass and that they will get used to it. And when you really think about that children grieve too and that grief cycle of, uh, you know, the anger and the depression, and they've had a lot of changes in their life these kids have uh, with the pandemic and uh, that... Uh, uh, that well, that it's uh, and sometimes I've been known to say, you know, I think if I was nine years old, I'd be kind of angry about this too, <laughs> uh-huh. and and That's then you kind of join them in that, and uh-huh. uh, and then get them to talking. Uh, but uh, kids are resilient, but they're living under a lot of stress mm-hmm. right now. Well, and just to piggyback off that real quickly, uh, Doctor Ruth is spot on and very right with that assessment. I, I share with clients, you know, your anger needs to be heard. We teach them that, you know, when it's not heard, it'll manifest in other ways, other bad ways. Bad things happen when people's anger is not heard constructively. We teach them that uh, it's a secondary emotion, usually caused by hurt, fear, or frustration, or other pain, as Dr. Ruth alluded to. Uh, the deep breathing technique is, is a very effective one. Um, also, um, back to what Ms. Withers said about trauma, we also work with our clients to help them understand we cannot change what happened, but we can change what we do moving forward because so many times they get stuck and in, 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 in unable to move past that significant trauma, which we don't diminish or minimize, but we, we, we try to look at it, okay, what are we going to do moving forward? And, and again, that is uh, installing, instilling hope, making it safe for kids to talk. People are so hungry to be heard, and we need to all do a better job of listening. 
Yeah. You know, I have, uh, you know, thank you, thank you both, thank you, uh, Mr. McLean and uh, Ms. Suarez, and thank you, Dr. Root. I have a question, and uh, to Mrs. Suarez, do you have like a network of administrators where you guys can network and and just bounce by each other to to compare notes and see how? You guys can get through this uh, this situation, handling your your the students, affected students, and how you can equip your teachers. And uh, to uh, Mr. McLean, I know you said so well when you said that this situation or issues we're talking about no no bounds. It happens to almost everywhere, every social economic uh, status and and the races and stuff, it, it, you know, just it happens. To, it happens everywhere. So yeah. how how then can we address this? We you know to so that people can get the idea to know that the seriousness of this issue, so that we can open up you know for conversation and try sure. to look for solution rather than uh, pointing fingers? That's a great, great question. But I would so what first comes to my mind is I'm a big proponent of more self-esteem classes, more mental health classes being taught from early elementary, you know, through high school or college because we, we teach all the, you know, core subjects, but we don't always teach kids in a school setting at least. How do you cope with your anger? What are some strategies for feeling better about yourself? If, you know, I wish that was a more common topic because I think there's so much that we're seeing in mental illness and, and with mental health issues today. So I think normalizing it, talking about it, making it, uh, giving it space at the table is really crucial. I really love that you said that, Mr. McLean. We're working on a project that basically as part of that project, we've incorporated what is called a care advisory time just for that reason allowing students and teachers to be able to dialogue um, how they're feeling, what they're thinking about specific situations. Because yes, we do focus on those um, major content areas because that's what the state assessment calls for. But this is very important to make sure that it's actually part of our instructional model. So thank you for, for saying that. So I'm jumping here, I'm excited. Yes, once I yes. reiterate, I think it's so important to make sure every kid that walks through our door or our classroom knows that they matter and that their life counts and that their life makes a difference. I can't stress that enough. If that's the one takeaway that I would stress, it would be that our kids have inherent self-worth and their, their value is fixed, and they need to know that. Thank you so much for that. Mrs. Weathers? Yes, um, I totally, totally agree, and I and definitely we have as an administrative group in our section and our division talk about well-being probably more than we've ever done, um, because we find that not only are our, our students um, suffering trauma, but our teachers are right. We all went through a pandemic together, and so sometimes we find ourselves even though we are focusing on the trauma that is happening with our students, we see that 
sometimes it's happening with our teachers as well. And so instilling hope in them, knowing that we've got to speak life into them, that they are, you know, the hope carriers in their classroom and giving them time to have well-being checks and, you know, wellness times and making sure they're taking care of themselves um, is so important. You know, you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you can put it on others. So really making yeah. sure that the well-being of our teachers um, became a very central place for us. Um, and so not only do our social counselors see our, our, our students, but they're seeing our teachers as well. Um, and that was so key for us and a, a pivot for us um, because we saw so many teachers leaving the, the uh, uh, profession because of burnout, but burnout in heavy layers because they were trying to put it back on even though they were suffering, you know, suffering with loss from their families and, you know, suffering from sickness themselves and then trying to, to help while they're still bleeding. So we knew that we had to first focus on the person that gives light into the classroom so that they can then breathe it onto the students. So um, we definitely pivoted our focus that wellness had to happen from top down um, so that we could build a healthy environment in our school for all stakeholders that were um, involved. Wow. This is, this is just so good. Thank you. Thank you for Mr. McLean um, and Mrs. Weathers. Um, that is so important. While both of you were talking, I thought of, you know, a sign that how will it be like that for our teachers to be able to have a sign on their forehead or raise their hand and say, I'm not okay. And mm. we understand what that means. I'm not okay. And that says all we need to know to help them and say, you know what, we will step in and we understand. Yes. And, and that also goes to the, you know, that's, uh, especially when we promote uh, parental involvement as well. So this, for all the parents listening out there, just uh, know that uh, your teachers need your help. They need your affirmation. They need your support. And the same thing, the administrators as well. You know, and as Christians, we're reminded that God's mercies are renewed fresh every morning yes. and that uh, that we may have felt like a failure at school yesterday or failure in the, in the counseling center here uh, yesterday, but God's mercies are renewed fresh every morning to us. And uh, as, we, as we greet each new day with that enthusiasm that God wants us to, in the opportunities to serve a hurting and uh, cruel world. You know, thank you, Dr. Ruth, for saying that. So now I have a question that will probably help, uh, you know, wrap it up for a teacher because, you know, Ms. Weathers mentioned a lot of um, teachers leaving the profession. Actually, the statistics, I believe, I saw three weeks ago said 66%. And I believe that keeps climbing every um, week. So you mentioned something. What is the difference for a teacher that feels, oh, I made a mistake and um, uh, I am a failure, that they're a failure because they can meet the needs of all their students, or they made a mistake, maybe how they delivered a lesson or how they communicate to a parent or student. What is the difference in those two statements 
to equip and empower them with hope that, you know, just like you said, God's mercies are new every um, day. How will you guide um, educators like that? I made a mistake or, that, or they feel that they failed you. Well, it goes back to what Brian said is that if, uh, if you are a failure, that speaks to that low self-esteem and I'm not worth anything I'm, uh, and, and the value of the person. I made a mistake. We all make mistakes. We're, we're not perfect people. So that is outside of, uh, of us where the I'm a failure is, is part of our, um, uh, like our being and, and who we believe that we are. And that comes back to that thought changing uh, that matters with a child that, or adult that you do matter, you are worth something. And, and I go back to uh, the scripture where, you know, a good man's steps is ordered by the Lord. And, uh, but then the next verse says, when he falls, he will not be utterly cast downward because God holds his hand. So that means that when we all have those kinds of falling and we all have to realize that God's holding our hand. But if we're feeling like we're just a failure, that we're nothing, we we can't grasp his hand and how precious he is to us and how much strength he gives to us to make it day by day. Well, and I always tell clients, why do pencils have erasers on them, you know, yeah. to, 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 to mark away the mistakes? And then we laugh and joke about it, but we want to make different mistakes, not the same mistakes every time. But finally, I'll close with this. This just came to me. If you focus on the mistake, you'll continue to hurt. Mm-hmm. But if you focus on the lesson, you will continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Amen. Thank you all so much. You know that seems like about the time we have again, yeah. and it moves so fast, and it was so good. Yeah. So we really have been so blessed, and we know that all our listeners there are as much blessed as, as well. So before we just, uh, you know, if you just have one word of uh, closing thought, what would that be? Dr. Ruth? Uh, I would say instill hope, walk with a positive attitude, uh, just bless those people around you. We're called to be blessings. Amen. Mr. McLean? Yes, I would say check on each other uh, and never forget that you matter. You do make a difference, and we need to make sure that we're checking with our colleagues, our kiddos, our families our neighbors, that we don't just assume that they're okay because people are hurting and don't always show that hurt. And then remind everybody that they're loved and um, embrace them and that uh, that they matter. Everybody matters. Amen. Take time to care. Mrs. Weathers? I think I believe that I took from the conversation is that conversation is so important. Taking the time to have one conversation can change the life of your children, of family members, of your teachers. So taking the time and have that one pivotal conversation that can bring hope and bring change. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so very much for this episode 39. As we wrap up, I want my wife to just close up. 
by reading Philippians 4.8. Yeah, so um, we know we've heard the importance of our thoughts, our thought life, and the Bible tells us, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Amen. Until next time, stay connected. We love you. Yeah.